Deadwood Soundwell. Not safe for work. Not safe for work. Not safe for work. Welcome to Not Safer Network. I'm Biggs. And I'm Brandon. And I'm Carl. Okay, so I want to get this out of the way before I forget. I am on a Watch No Evil podcast that just went up yesterday. That is Children of the Corn. Check that episode out. Uh, I had a lot of fun recording it. I haven't gotten to listen to the final edit. I think we went for two hours, so I'm pretty sure it's not going to be the entirety of the episode, but there is a lot of good nuggets that I recall. So if even like 20% of them got in, it's going to be a good episode. We should just start out talking about Bill McClintock because you wanted to bring him up carl and this was a really fun thing diving into the multiverse the multiverse of madness and it has bled out into our world there's even alternate me's here like british carl hello governor i'm (laughs) coral yeah is that the new character carl Carl? hey i'm walking here yeah okay Anyways, they sound like the show, same guys. character. Well, <laughs> they both go. Yeah, really, yeah. we're all kind of. There's not much difference between multiverse Carl's. We're all pretty much <laughs> just this random dude. This week is our multiverse week, though. Talking about Doctor Strange, and I thought that would be a good opportunity to talk about this fucking amazing guy that is on YouTube and he has a Patreon. His name's Bill McClintock. It's spelled pretty much exactly how it sounds, and. This guy does mashups of songs, but he takes it to the next goddamn level. He takes, you know, the music from one song, the lyrics from another. He sprinkles solos in from thirds and fourths and fifths songs where they fit. And it sounds like you're listening to an original song that is just made up of pieces of these other songs. It is the best mashing up that I've ever heard. It's it's yeah. next level. It really is like he's taken it to a new height, the the art of the mashup. And it's kind of interesting because that whole concept of like, you know, sampling, you know, that goes back quite a ways to like the what, like the 70s, basically 10 years after the turntable was made really affordable and yeah, anybody I mean, could have one. <laughs> I So I think I read that Pink Floyd did the first loop. Uh, in Dark Side of the Moon. I think Money was the very first time somebody recorded a loop. So they did seven different noises for each beat of the song. It's like the cash register, like ka-ching, and then pushing in and and all of that. It's like on a loop. And they had to do it by like putting it around the room and having it recording on each mic so that it went around and sounded full in the stereo. It was like fucking bizarre. And it just fucking launched from there like they really did usher in a new sound that i mean rap's not possible without that and i'm sure somebody would have stumbled on it eventually but well grandmaster flash is credited as like the first guy to use the turntable as an instrument by scratching with it yes and john cage did some really avant-garde weird shit 
And with, the first rap song ever was Rapper's Delight, which was in the 70s. And you can watch a YouTube clip of him playing, looking all 70s out. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> first uh, song with rap elements ever to hit number one in the Billboard charts is... <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about this. It's uh, uh, Blondie Rapture. Rapture, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that just a travesty? So, as much as I love the song, and I love the song, that is one of the worst raps I've ever heard in my life. And it's a white lady. We have definitely talked about it. I don't remember if it's in this podcast or not. So maybe it's not canon, as we've said before. It doesn't happen on this podcast. It's not canon, right? It's getting brought up again (laughs) in the future, too. But uh, the man from Mars is eating cars. That's the thing. As soon as she starts to, like, quote, unquote, rap, it's the worst thing I've ever heard. Yeah, it's pretty awful. It's so good when they're doing the... And like I don't the, know what she's saying, but I love that part. As soon as it goes into the, the rap, I just chuckle because it's song, so bad. The baseline of that song is sick. The concert bells that they use are sick. Like everything about that song is awesome. And the rap is so bad. Yes. <laughs> so goddamn. But you know, the man from Mars wants to park some cars. He's eating cars. He's he eating Cadillacs. Car. That's even worse. Dude. He eats Cadillacs, <laughs> Lincoln's too, Mercury and Subaru. And then when there's no more cars, he goes out at night and eats up bars where the people meet. And when she says where the people meet, she is like channeling some Southern, like Southern man. rapper. <laughs> no, like a soul man. Like she's, she's channeling like uh Louis Armstrong or something like some old. <laughs> You're right. Guy. She raps just as well as Louis Armstrong. <laughs> <laughs> We should be so lucky that we got a rap album that we could have gotten in another universe, perhaps. Maybe Bill McClintock can take some Louis Armstrong and mash it up with some rap. I bet that would be great. One of the things you learn about Bill McClint from Bill McClintock is how much the these different genres really have in common. There's a reason why Metallica works so good with the B-52s, because they're both playing in four. They're both, it's like they're following similar formulas and they're taking, they're doing drastically different things with those elements, but they're using the same elements and they are more interchangeable than we realize. You know, what it's was fascinating. what was the other Metallica one? Oh, there's we a bunch list- of them. No, but the one we were listening. So to a whole the bunch. one that is it's one of his more recent ones. It's one of my favorites. It's actually three mashed together. And it's uh, so the one you might be thinking of is maybe not this one, but this one is Metallica, Megadeth and the Pointer Sisters. And it's uh, the the Neutron Dance of Destruction. So it's like Symphony of Destruction, Master of Puppets. And the neutron dance all mashed together. But the one you're thinking of is Leo Talica, because he likes to mash up the names of the bands together to make a new band name, which also feeds into my multiverse theory. <laughs> and that one is uh, You Make Me Feel Like Dancing, That's right. mashed up with Sad But True. Yes. And they even get to the point where Leo, what's, whoever, whatever the guy's name is, he's going, You make me feel like dancing. And then immediately is followed up with James Hetfield going, You know what's sad but true. 
<laughs> so and it's fun. just the and back and forth of it is like seamlessly this is a put thing together. that should really be watched on youtube too because it sounds great but when you watch it on youtube he's really good at putting the Editing bands the together too because it looks like they're singing on one side of the stage and james hetfield is responding on the other side yeah he even does yeah. those things where like uh wow the Pointer Sisters are singing. It cuts to James Hetfield just kind of Dancing. like, <laughs> just kind of smiling too, and like, like pointing at him, like, "Yeah, you guys are doing great." You know, <laughs> it's like they're all sharing a stage. And then you go into the comments, and people are making comments like, "The worst mistake Metallica ever made was firing the Pointer Sisters." <laughs> <laughs> Probably the creepiest mashup in his playlist of 98 mashups on his channel. And then if you subscribe to his Patreon, there's more songs that were struck from YouTube. due to copyright. It's like Elvis and Marilyn Manson. Oh, that wasn't, that's another thing too, is that he works with a lot of quote unquote canceled artists. There's one that's a straight mashup of Eric Clapton and Michael Jackson, both sort of canceled for different reasons like michael jackson is semi-canceled because there's a lot of uh crazy shit out we there. we know what michael jackson did yeah and then eric clapton like has kind of been a racist for a real long time and that's kind of just been an open secret about the guy it's been Get coming the out to out. the forefront lately yeah. yeah like it's we've always known about it though because the first instance of it happening was in like the 70s yeah. So when you say we've always, I didn't know, but I don't doubt that. What it was I mean there. is that the knowledge has been available yes, to yes. us this whole time. Yeah. Whether we knew specifically about whether people were talking about it or not is right. another issue. But the, it's been publicly available it's, knowledge for a long time. Like all of the rockers from the 70s, it seems like it's just really been coming out the last five years, all the really shitty things that they did. And people have just <laughs> been compiling it and listing it. Yeah, so they're all reaching like, that oh. age where they're like, people are reminiscing at this point pretty earnestly. And uh, you've got so many younger people that do not give a fuck about their music. So they just want to like hammer it too. Yeah. And so you just start putting together a list of all the problematic shit that they did, which in this particular case, I don't think is a bad thing. Like rockers got a free pass for a long time to do anything they fucking wanted to. But here's the thing about Bill McClintock. So when he takes Eric Clapton, cocaine and mashes it up with Billy Jean, Michael Jackson. It's really fucking It's an amazing awesome. fucking song in and of itself. By the way, like they're both the, great songs. Like, you've got like the you got the bass going. It's like, she's alright, she's alright, she's alright cocaine and you're like, what the shit? How is this is fucking amazing. This is like what it should have been instead of those two separate songs. And then you start to picture an alternate reality where Michael Jackson and Eric Clapton found each other and fell in love and never got up to becoming the evil villainous people that they wound up because that love between that they shared with each other was so powerful. And then they wrote this song together. And that's the culmination of like what could have been if we lived in this other world. The two negatives cr did create a positive. What was closer mashed up with? I remember it was an R&B song. Uh, There's a lot I of them mixed up with R&B. It had three. It was one of the triples. Yeah, because that one had David Bowie's uh, fame in it. and uh, Which it? makes sense because they played together yeah. for a while anyway. Yeah. yeah, that one's all right. That one's not so great. That was what made me want to hear more, so... <laughs> 
I think what I liked better when I was talking about like uh, we should play Mother by Danzig and he does he did the the lyrics for one of them that I heard with something else and then you clicked on it but it was the music for it with something else and I was like he used all of Danzig in two different songs and you're like oh yeah he skins a whole buffalo (laughs) (laughs) he doesn't let any part go to waste he takes the carcass and he divides it all up like he really does kind of carve up these songs into their components and then he puts them into the other places and he's got these other ones left over so then he he just has those elements available for future use you know it's like he's building his his palette you know because he also does just sometimes throw a single solo from a, a different song into his mashup and it and it just kind of fills out that section of the song really well or like even throwing random sections of vocal tracks from other songs into his things and it just works so well it's kind of fascinating and it's a new way to experience old stuff he's like taking old dead music and giving it fresh new life as frankenstein's monsters so game of thrones dropped the trailer (laughs) and i'm gonna be light on this because carl like talked over the entire trailer so (laughs) what did i talk over the part where they all put on the sorting hat to figure out which house they're in Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> all of that. Uh, I know it's supposed to be the Targaryens are the ruling family at this particular point of time. This is based off of a George R.R. R. Martin book that takes place something like 300 years before Game of Thrones or something. Like it's long enough where we're not going to get any repeats of characters or maybe one, but. You know, that would be about it. I think there's something with like two queens that are basically they're not supposed to rule. And so they had some kind of democratic vote on it. And one of them won and the least popular family that probably should have won didn't win. So they've already like they found this period where there's a lot of spoilers. Just a three eyed raisin. Three eyed raisin. Yeah. That's a thing. The California (laughs) raisins. Yeah. This is a California raisins prequel. Did you say they're sisters? The second sister? And the third sister? They're not sisters. They're Sith, they're Sith lords then? Or no. they're like the disciples <laughs> of the Sith? <laughs> Your Game of Thrones sounds like a Bill McClintock thing. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. <laughs> and Carl, SpongeBob's Carl there. has obnoxiously watched exactly one episode of Game of Thrones, and it was the last the one. The very last episode of Game of Thrones. I don't know what all the fuss was about. <laughs> you do because so you were reading recaps just to talk there's shit like about this, it. Uh, there's like these two people that a building falls on them and... And a dragon melts a melts a chair. Yep. And uh, oh, a chair's supposed to be then bigger the, in this one. I've and heard. then another guy in a chair wins everything. It's still not the comfy chair. Yeah. No, that's ha- that's Brand's chair. Is there a reason why he's in that chair? Yeah. What I'm not getting to into it. It takes oh. way too fucking long, and what nobody's happy about that development. <laughs> <laughs> and that one guy stabs his girlfriend. I think right. Uh, that broad statement could could go to so many characters in this show. Yeah, we don't really know what's going on. Like, I'm not a book reader of these, so I don't really know a whole lot about what they're laying down. A building falls on a couple. A man kisses his sister. Another man... Even a man kisses his sister, I think, is represented a couple of times. And that's definitely happening in this one, too. There's definitely going to be more but incest. But the important so. thing. <laughs> you get the incest just right. Yep. <laughs> oh, they get it. It's hard to get somebody who's that blonde and that blue eyed. So you have to keep it in the family, you know? <sighs> All right, Brandon, what did you think about this? Uh, 
If I still have HBO, I'll probably check it out. <laughs> My wife's getting to where she's like, really doesn't want to do fantasy anymore. So. I kind of see where she's coming from. Just one more <laughs> after this next one. Then I'll quit forever. So you're not going to watch Lord of the Rings when it comes out? No, I, re- I do not want to watch that. I have zero excitement for it, but I do want to watch it to talk about it because it's going to be an event. Like they paid a lot of fucking money for that. So I'm curious where the money went. You know what I mean? Like, I want to see it. I want to see the receipts. <laughs> no matter what, I'm hanging with the first <laughs> season. And then after that, we'll I see. want nobody to watch it and for all that money to just like be for nothing. Oh, that would be great, dude. I don't like Amazon. I honestly, nothing would fill me with more delight than if it was a like a total shit show. But if it's really good, I would also be excited too. So the only thing you the, know what I don't want anything in between. The only thing that there's one redeeming quality to Jeff Bezos. And at this point to the other Microsoft guy, what's his name? Bill Bill Gates. Gates. And that redeeming quality of them, the only thing that I think that is remotely positive about them is that Elon Musk doesn't like them. So they must be doing at least one thing, right? I would say the <laughs> whole doesn't like working them. on a cure for malaria thing is okay. Yeah. But <laughs> it's not the first thing he I could, think of with Bill no, Gates No, the thing either. about these guys is that as much as they do, they could be doing way more so goddamn much yeah, more that's I not even fucking 100% funny agree and yeah like paying taxes yeah yeah be nice be nice if you spent more put your on name, this malaria put your thing name on a like, foundation and throw a bunch of really big parties and like do do some good but w- still waste shitloads of money on fucking parties it and shit. would also be nice if with all the money they put into this foundation he maybe did more than he could write off of his taxes like yeah. that would be kind of sweet but i doubt that happens very much yeah, fuck those guys. Yeah. All of them. They get to decide where their <laughs> where their section. And also, of thank you goes. for funding this platform that we're talking on because <laughs> you guys built all the servers that hold all the internet and shit or whatever you paid for it. Or well, that's because Google got shitty with <laughs> with podcasts. Since it is, we're gonna have to start learning to parse Joe Rogan stuff. Like Brandon has committed to getting a uh, Joe I Rogan think you mean, impression. I think you mean Father Joe. Our Lord and Savior. Right. So let's go, Brandon. Some Joe Rogan here. It's not ready yet. I told you it's not ready yet. <laughs> okay. When's hey. it going to be ready? Hey, I'm Joe Rogan over here. Yeah. Hey, why don't you eat I'm that Joe... shrimp? Just eat it. Come on. Just eat it. It's only been sitting around for five days. Come on. Eat uh, it. Yeah, I'm Joe Rogan. You're going to end up in a fat of scorpions. Yeah. Hey, eat these, uh, clam- good, eat these rotten eggs. I'm Joe Rogan. Yeah. Am I doing Sylvester Stallone like badly and calling it Joe Rogan? Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what you're doing. All right, I'm going to move on to the last thing that we haven't all seen and get that out of the way. So I watched uh, Star Trek for this There's show. There's another new yes. series? Oh, that, it's not the last one on the horizon either. But this particular one, I think, is the best of all of them. Okay. It's really good because they went in with the edict, went the co-showrunner, the way he pitched the show was he told Kurtzman, I want to make a Star Trek show the way we used to fucking make it. And so what that means is, off of what I can tell from the pilot episode, there will be an overall arc like you would have seen in, say, Next Gen, Voyager, Deep Space Nine, but there will be individual episodes where there's a problem, 
and then they solve said problem and then they go to the next planet they're finding things right like they're going back to that style of show and it's a lot of fun man like i didn't realize how much i missed it until i saw it in this newer format they start out the episode by and we were just talking about this carl like this guy's watching the day the earth stood still on TV. And of course that episode thematically completely ties in with the point of the day the earth stood still, which was Gort the robot is basically going to destroy humanity if they don't knock their shit off and stop trying to destroy each other with nuclear weapons. They go to this planet and then they find out that they had accidentally left a warp core there, the Federation had, and they turned it into a bomb And so they're using that to try and annihilate the other side. And so they have this rule that they're not supposed to mess with other civilizations, right? So they go in there and try and, like, talk them into, like, meeting at the table and finding peace, but they're refusing to do it. And then finally, Pike, who's a captain in this, he's just like, you know what? I'm going to show them I have a bigger stick. So they make the Enterprise be seen. And then they show them what happened on Earth, like leading up to World War Three, because in the Star Trek universe, they have this whole established thing that like basically where we're at right now is when shit really starts to go off the rails and it really goes off the rails for a while. They have World War Three. Everything's annihilated. And then Zephram Cochran invents the warp engine. And so he's showing like at the other side of that, we were able to put aside our differences and work together to try and build a better future and he's saying like i can show you that future so basically like put aside your stuff and work to that future now instead of trying to kill each other right now and it was like an old trek episode like i really enjoyed it there was more nuance than i'm saying but you know i'm trying to break it down loosely and then the overall structure is really interesting because if you know your star trek lore have you ever heard of the cage so that was the original star trek pilot And they put it in later Star Treks in a two-part episode called The Menagerie because they looked at this crew and they said, we don't like them, like get rid of them. And Lucille Ball went to bat for Star Trek and got it back on the air. And the compromise was they recasted everybody but Spock. They weaved it into another episode where they're kind of watching flashbacks and there's this guy in this wheelchair who can't move and he can beep once for yes and twice for no. And he looks horrified. And so in Discovery, they played with Pike a little bit. They have this part where he goes and sees his future and he knows what's going to happen to him. Like he sees that he's in 10 years, he's going to get this radiation just fucks with his face. It's one of the most haunting things I've ever seen. Like it is Cronenberg S dude. Like you see his skin like bubbling and shit, like his whole body. And he knows this is what's going to happen to me. I'm going to wind up confined to this chair, not able to move, not able to talk. Like and he does the thing Testing he, a, testifying against Fry and Leela. Yes. Yeah. They, yeah. They <laughs> joke. Yeah. They're totally calling to that him back. Episode. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Uh, South Park does a whole thing where they do that as well, where there's where he's like yes or no, and he's like double yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 But I think um, they make that exact joke in Futurama too. Maybe yeah. I thought of it from double Futurama. Yes. But uh, anyway, so he knows that this future is going to happen. He chooses to go down the path that he's doing because it's the right thing to do even though he knows he's going to do there. So now this series starts out with the fact that he knows what his future is and it's haunting him because he knows the exact date. He knows how it's going to happen. He knows how it feels and he's going to have to do it. Like he has no choice. He's already like chosen this path 
And so he's trying to like figure out how do you live with this knowledge of where you're going to go? And that seems to be the overarching thing of this. And it's really fucking interesting because it is haunting, dude. He made that decision and he knows he's stuck with it. So, but is, so, but outside of that, is that what's going to happen? Do you think on the show? Or do you think I don't think gonna... they'll get to it because he knows it's ten years from there. There's no way this show will oh. get ten seasons. You know, one year. But like season. it's Star Trek canon. Like we know in the original series that this happens to him. Just to tie it off, at the end of the Menagerie episode, what Pike does not know is this alien race. Like when he goes back to this planet, they're able to create this illusion where he feels like he's walking around and he looks normal and he doesn't feel the pain. So he'll be okay. But he doesn't know that. He only knows this terrible fucking part so if you're a big fan you know where this winds up i will say that but to me the compelling thing is like how do you go on like how do you get up in the morning knowing that that's coming and it's inevitable so did they get the idea to reveal themselves directly from the movie that he was watching no no it's not like he went oh oh you mean to the planet yeah it's the idea that tells them i will destroy you if so you're, you're saying to that this advanced this, this advanced society of like for in the year 3000 whatever needed advice from the 20th century to like find the solution to their problem I think the dude's a big Man, cinephile us and here applied in the, that to us his here life. in the us here in but he doesn't the year say, 2020 here's the we here's sure the got all the answers don't no, no, we no because we sure, we sure know Carl, Carl. <laughs> but that's not the answer because he shows the enterprise to get their attention and get them to stop <laughs> but he does not tell them he's going to annihilate them which is what they do in the earth stood still he's actually more evolved than that and says like I can tell you where this path is going to lead let me show you a better future like he actually did something that the movie did not do he used that as a tool to get their attention it's yeah, like why one would, part of well, the what i want to know is in the original day the earth stood still why would they make their creature like the alien race or whatever that built gort why would they make him so inscrutable you haven't seen this movie have you what do you mean the day the earth stood still well, it's I've seen Gort's it. in charge. The alien is not in charge. Gort is in charge. He cannot alter what Gort's there to do. Like Gort is in charge of all of them. It's just they made the decision and then they like flew Gort over there. But Gort is now overseeing the the human race. Right, but he they was... they can't even stop Gort if they I know, want to. No, but the to. aliens made him that way. No, they didn't make him. What's... It's unknown where he was made. I also read the short story it's based off of. Right. And, so, but I'm just saying, like, whatever it was that built Gort, whatever Gort's purpose is, it's also not going to just, it doesn't, it's not designed to, like, tell you, hey, this is what I'm here to do, and this is what you need to do. They have to, like, figure it out all roundabout, right? Like, uh, it talks in very, it's it's like, does it even, it when it talks to them, it doesn't say anything specific, It doesn't right? ever talk to them. It yeah. doesn't talk. Well, what, and see, that's even more inscrutable. Yeah. It's that it doesn't even communicate. They have to like guess. Well, they and have it, to. And here's because the it's thing. a no, Hollywood no, no, story, no, no, no. Here's the thing, story, Carl, they guess Carl, right. Carl, here's the thing. Lucky for them, they don't know what Gord's purpose is because they shoot the alien when he sees him because they landed the United States. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so no, immediate, immediately out. they see an alien and then they fucking shoot him because it's like, oh, it's an alien. We need to kill him, even though he looks like a man and everything. Like it's, it is totally playing up the fact that like the road we're leading on is very violent and very awful and no good can come of it. And fortunately for them, the alien survived. But 
Maybe it's just like, I don't know if The Day of the Earth Stood Still is a movie that needs to last long enough to be watched by somebody in the Federation and to be like, hey, I'm going to kill some time and watch The Day of the Earth Stood Still. Why isn't he watching uh, uh, Supernatural? There's I think 10 you, seasons of Supernatural. There's I don't only... have to answer that, dude. <laughs> why isn't he watching... Uh, why isn't he that watching, is an like, awful... Like, why are you saying Supernatural? Why isn't he watching season 13 of The Bachelor, you know? Because nobody watches that. And nobody's learning from that? Keeping up with the... Car- why isn't he keeping up with the Kardashians? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else he's what? watching, Carl. I just got that glimpse I'm into just it. saying, like, I hate... Why is he even watching anything from the 20th century period is what I'm saying. Why are they not creating culture in the year, whatever year it is? Create some current (laughs) culture, guys. So we literally have trillions of songs. This is a conversation we had before. And I think the answer to it is every time they try and do something current in Star Trek, like when they have something from their current timeline with like music or whatever, it's fucking terrible. And so I think over time, they're just like, we're not even going to try to do that anymore. Name a franchise that's done it successfully. That's like put fictional culture inside their thing. Blade Runner. What? Like the synth, are you talking about the synth score in Blade Runner? That's even not when, in the universe. That is the score for the movie. That but is purely they're for listening the to songs at certain parts that are that Evan- type of Vangelis. <laughs> you think Vangelis? I'm just saying, like, and that no, wasn't like anything that we had nothing. at the time. Human, you music. just don't like it because I gave you I an love, example. No, it's not a good example though. <laughs> Because, like, name the band in the universe. Star Wars. Like the cantina music? Yeah. I do like that song. It's pretty catchy. Yeah. So Star Wars got it. And But, like, what's that guy's name? Max Rebo or something? Yes. That's the exactly Max, right. He's, like, the band leader. Yep. And then they had to do that whole, like, uh, only alien language song in the remake. Or the the updated version where it's got like the, what's that? Max Rebo is a band leader, but he's not the singer. He is the blue elephant playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sort of Max, keys. He's the band leader. Yeah, I don't know what the name of the guy is who sings and goes does a in the fucking special editions, but and well, isn't there like a a lady that sings like Yub Nub singing Bigazagado? Yes, but and it's terrible. I don't think Yub Nub though, because Yub Nub is what the Ewoks sing in no, the original the Return of the Jedi. They're like, all I know is that Richard Cheese does a lounge version of one of those because he has a whole Star Trek. He actually, so Richard Cheese has an album that's live at the cantina and he does like a little bit of rebel yell and then he'll call out people that are in the audience and he'll be like, uh, oh, look, there's Captain Phasma in the audience. How you doing, Captain Phasma? Your costume's real shiny. (laughs) And he like makes jokes and he talks about like jokes about parsecs and there's like rim shots and stuff and then he goes into another song. Fucking amazing. He does the Star Wars song that Bill Murray did. Star Wars, nothing yeah. but Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Give me that Star Wars <laughs> into the night. Oh, so good. Rebel Yell, because Rebel Alliance. So he does Rebel Yell. That makes sense. It's always, he has fun little stuff like that. All right, let's get in our last piece of business before we get into Doctor Strange. So Moon Knight finished off the series. What did you guys think? I know it feels like a million years ago now because uh, it was five days ago. but Pretty solid. Solid yeah. ending. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I like that they let Ethan Hawke and Oscar Isaac cook on that show. They were really fucking good. Like yeah. watching Oscar Isaac scream at himself. 
<laughs> at a lot of times and be loving with himself. Uh, it was amazing, dude. It was like a really good performance. And I think we saw with Layla when she wound up getting an avatar, she wasn't quite as good. <laughs> yeah, she couldn't do the split thing as well. Yeah. Like it but, shows you what a really good actor can do, I think. Yeah. And then Ethan Hawke also just like crushed every scene he was in. He's so good. And the way he played that psychiatrist too, who is not at all like the cult leader, but there's little tiny parallels to it, right? Yeah. And it was very subtle and I appreciate that. It was subtle in a way you don't see in Marvel movies very often. I like that at the end they're probably in an institution. Like, I feel like you can't really be sure of anything that you watched in that show. The, but that's also what I feel like about the Moon Knight comic. Well, that I okay. Really liked, so, so for me, all the scenes in the psychiatrist office were like, that's mind palace stuff. Mind palace. That's yeah, what I thought. But then you get to the end. In Mark Spector's mind. Like solely in Mark Spector's mind. Mark Spector's the original. Mark Spector created the other personality. Yes. Well, yes. well, Mark Spector created uh, the other one, the one of Stephen Stephen Grant. I have a theory that Conchu literally created the third personality. Jake Conchu created him. Yeah, and I, that's yeah. why neither Mark Spector nor Stephen Grant are aware of of him of Jake Lockley. And Conchu does know who he is. Yeah, you know, like no, I think you might be right, but it also seems like they're in an institution at the end of the episode too. And also, I don't know if that's real or not because that's kind of what they laid out for nah, the show. The, the, I, I think don't get that, that the institution just feels too symbolic. It did to me, yeah. and then you get to the end, and then it felt like it was real at the end to me. That's all that I'm saying. But also, I could see it not being real. It's still that's what I like about that show. It, it makes you it makes you question everything in it. I didn't question any of it. Okay, I, no, because the institution like, only I mean, happens after Mark Steven gets shot. That's when the institution shows up. So it's all in their mind until they get back to the regular plane. Like there, there's like, no question who's like. There's no question who created who either. It's like, no. I'm not questioning yeah. that. That makes me feel like there's no question about any of the rest of it. It's like the idea in what you call it, um, in Invincible with the two clone guys. As long as neither of them can tell which one of them is the clone, they have this working relationship. And with this one, it's like, it's not the same dynamic, obviously, but it's like they work better being aware of one another and like working together, even though Stephen Grant seemingly has no conflict about like being an imaginary friend. Oh, he did at first. Right. But like, but yeah, they do. They've gotten past weirdly. Yeah. And like he does exist now. Right. However, he was created like he is a person, a a distinct in life. It's one of it's like the separate. He actually has a separate soul that can die. Like, see that that part bothered me though because that should have take they should have taken Jake Lockley into account for that, but they didn't. Well, they showed the mummy tomb that was shut. Exactly. Why were there not three hearts then? I think that we're going to see some of these answers later. There should have only been one heart still, and it should have been half full and so maybe there's inconsistencies because it was imagination to begin with like it's see what i'm saying you start digging into this shit nah you don't get into like a conspiracy theory i'm not getting a conspiracy theory i'm looking at what they handed me either one could be whatever flat earther and let's let's be very real here (laughs) if we see moon knight pop up again they get to choose which one is the accurate one as far as they're concerned they get to or like say none of that 
applied and have something that applies that fits into the thing that they had because he's fucking crazy. You know what's great about that is that now that they've explained all of that in the TV show, they don't need to make any more Moon Knight. What they can do now is they can just like insert Moon Knight into anything for any reason and not have to explain it because they've explained what he is and how he's crazy. And so it's like he you're not going to understand him now. Like it'd be wonderful to see like a Deadpool Moon Knight. The Deadpool that we know from the movies is not the Deadpool that exists from the comics. Because, like, one thing thing about the comic book (laughs) Deadpool, though, one major difference about the comic book Deadpool is he's, like, insane. Yeah. He's insane, an insane sociopath, maybe psychopath. But, like, he's legitimately crazy. And the Deadpool of the movies is kind of just snarky. Yeah. He's not crazy. He's vain. And he's childish. He might be a classic sociopath, actually, but not not mm. psychopath. I don't think he's necessarily a psychopath, but he's not as crazy as he is in the comics. Like that, they've definitely blunted him quite a bit for the movie. Quite a and bit. They've also made him to. way. He less... would be unbearable. They've also if made him like way less was... ugly too. But they did. I actually <clears> am okay with that because, like, I had a similar discussion online about the character of Arseface in the Preacher TV show. And this is a character that in the wake of Kurt Cobain's suicide, him and his that for the, the movie, the TV show as well, because it's way too late to be referencing <laughs> like in Kurt at, Cobain. At the risk of getting into a giant conversation on this, our drummer, when I was going on tour, had a preacher graphic novel. And I was like, hey, can I take a look at that? And I just flipped through the art really quick and I saw R's face and I was like, handed it back to him. <laughs> so I saw that was my run in with the preacher comic. I saw online somebody had like rendered a live action version of that character and it was pretty accurate to the comic book. And so my comment on the thing was just like, this is really cool being comic accurate and all, but I don't think I want to watch this for an entire TV show. Yeah. And to see it moving and stuff like it is grotesque. It's it's a guy who's blown his own face off trying to kill himself and then had his face put stitched back together poorly. You know, so I with reconstructive surgery. I saw the real life version of that. I won't get into details, but a family member goes to a church and I had to go to that church a couple of times. And there was a guy who went to shoot himself in the head with the shotgun and then changed his mind at the last second. And uh, it is pretty brutal to look at, dude. No, like, bone or cartilage or anything on the front. Yeah. Trigger warning, guys. (laughs) Put that at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. Let's move on to Dr. Strange. So it was really weird how they had the Dark Elves and the Aether... Loki was in there. What? That's Thor 2. Sorry. My bad. All right. What'd you guys think about Doctor Strange? Uh, wow. That was a, it's a big old mess, isn't it? I mean, I liked it. I thought it was fun, but it is just like all over the place. Yeah. That's what I wanted. It was fun. (laughs) Uh, I liked a lot of things about it. It, it had a good pace to it. It just kept moving. Although I think that, this is kind of cemented for me. I prefer Marvel stories as TV shows. <laughs> I don't even care if they have a lower budget. I just like it. Yeah. I like it better than this. I mean, this was good. It was a good movie. I enjoyed it. But like after watching six now, is it six different TV sh- shows? I think so. Yeah. I like the pacing of the shows better. Like if this feels rushed because 
we've been getting, you know, about six to eight hours worth of storytelling to tell an arc. And now this feel it felt like they were just like jumping from thinking like from thing to thing to thing so quickly. I can go that's, back and forth between the movies and shows. That's kind of my uh, that's kind of like, well, and also this one was also probably the most closely connected to the TV shows because yes, it is the division. It is the culmination of Wanda's arc for yeah. sure. This is the ending of her story that was like told in the briefest of glimpses throughout what two Marvel movies and then WandaVision because it was really just Endgame and well okay uh Civil War Age of Ultron Age of okay yeah, yeah Age yeah. of Ultron Age of Civil Ultron. War Infinity War a little bit in Endgame and then WandaVision yeah and like very little in Endgame yeah just snippets beating the shit out of Thanos a minor section of the a of like the first half of well I guess like at the end too because she's got scenes like key scenes in Infinity War dude she's important in Infinity yeah, she's War she's yeah. the most heartbreaking thing in a movie of heartbreaks is her having to kill Vision and then it doesn't fucking matter even yeah you know so what this movie did too was like. What I liked about it the most, I think, was the way it approached the legacy of the MCU. Like, uh, whether or not Doctor Strange really made, there was, was there really only one option? Because I've asked myself that exact same question. That The question that that former doctor from the first movie, the one that he snobbishly, like, you know, puts one over on shows back up and is just like, I lost a lot of shit because of the decision you made. Are you a hundred percent sure that that was the only fucking option? He's and got, he's got a point, but also having watched it from his point of view, he was out of fucking time. He didn't have, he had like, the remember, fucking we, we've talked time stone. That should not be a thing to be out of time when you're in possession of the stone what that controls he was, time. What he was doing with that stone, he was out of time, dude. Okay, but this is the thing, though, is when, when he gets to that one universe and he sees the statue of himself and he finds out that he died defeating Thanos, that immediately raises the question of, like, could, could you have sacrificed yourself? I mean, to win. All, all that's super four... cool that you say that, but it ignores the fact that that statue was bullshit and the Illuminati put well, it there see, because they didn't want to reveal what he it actually It doesn't ignore did. it. That was the immediate thought I had when I saw the statue in the movie is like, is that where they're going with this? They wound up not going there with that. Right. They went in a different direction and that's fine, but it still raises the question. Like, are there things that he wasn't willing to sacrifice? Like, what if there was a way to stop Thanos and only Christine died, right? You know he's not going to pick that one, even if it's the, the, the right decision. And also, the answer answers this movie makes is like, uh, the greater good's bullshit, right? That's what villains say. Villains say greater for the greater good. The greater Heroes good. don't make sacrifices for the greater good. Heroes will sacrifice themselves, but they won't sacrifice others. Like, that's a big thing. Well, that's, they won't in the MCU, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like Captain don't. America talking about we don't trade lives, right? And uh, Except for our own. He doesn't even say that, though. He literally says we don't trade lives. Infinity He's War. still... The unsaid part is if we need to sacrifice ourselves, we will. And they but, all like, do it. He doesn't feel that at the time either because, like, he doesn't want to sacrifice Vision to stop Thanos. Like, he doesn't want to stop it because Thanos is offering himself up and he's saying no, right? Like, if you remember the context in which it, it came out. 
but that winds up being what they do anyway. And then it fucking tortures Wanda to no end. And then we get WandaVision, which like it's a bit of a leap from WandaVision to where they go in this movie. But I get it, is, it because it she's is. got a cursed book. It's one of those things I said with like <laughs> yeah. Spider-Man is like it's Lots the magic. It's the huh? magic excuse. Like you have yeah. a book. So like evil book. And then there's yeah. like this stuff with like the Scarlet Witch existing before Wanda. And this castle is in tatters. But at some point, a Scarlet Witch built that. I had thought that it was a prophecy because I said that in WandaVision that like she would be the Scarlet Witch. Like I thought that was all built and everything for her to ascend to. Right. But the Scarlet Witch is like a force, kind of like the Phoenix Force. They explained this at the end of WandaVision, did they not? She was supposed to be the Scarlet Witch. Like, like I don't think they did. Like a reincarnation of the Scarlet Witch. That was so. not what I got out of WandaVision. No. Oh, you didn't? No. I no. So the Scarlet Witch is a being that is existed for a, a long time. I and I, it sounded like it was reinc- prophecy. To she me. keeps well. Wanda's the because one that becomes so- the Scarlet Witch, but it's because the the Scarlet Witch is a. It's not just one person. It's it's one being. Are you that has, sure? That yes. That's not like I'm comics canon? No, this is the way that they've done it for the show. I'm 100% certain of this. The, the Scarlet Witch is an entity that is like distinct from Wanda Maximoff. But once they become one, then they're, the, they're one. But like, where did that fucking castle come from? Who built that shit? It's. You really she want to wrote flip the over dark all those stones in the ancient past and then died. You could flip and over then, these stones in like any Marvel thing. Like there's always this stuff was where supposed it's like, where to did be that come from? the culmination of the Scarlet Witch taking over the universe. All and right. maybe I'm I'm just saying. I hear you. I'm saying, I don't want to argue it because like it's well, kind of it's pointless right now. And there's still a lot of movie to talk about. You know. Yeah. So what did you think, Brandon? Because you haven't gotten much of a chance to talk here. <laughs> the thing I really noticed and really enjoyed was because there's a lot of like undead sort of stuff going on like we have the undead doctor strange like the reanimated corpse and then like all of the uh the little spirits that like are trying to like drag him down or like repossess his soul or whatever they're doing but like he ends up controlling him but like they all had a very sam raimi deadite look that was something that really made me happy with this movie is it was a very sam raimi movie. so many unnecessary zooms i yep. loved it dude every when, character when strange, gets their own zoom when strange wakes up and they do that swirly like close yes. up on him mm. Like, I just, I giddily laughed in the theater and then pictured Sam Raimi with like a board or something and being like, hold on, buddy. It's just going to stop a foot from your face. Just don't react. Don't react. And then like spinning this thing and then stopping it like a couple of inches from his <laughs> face. Like, it's amazing, dude. I loved all of this. It was such a Sam Raimi movie. Yeah, it yeah. was wonderful. It was coincidentally a plot that was very much a Sam Raimi plot. And then he was able to incorporate a lot of stuff that you want to see him do within that movie. When Professor X, when he's in the, in the, the mindscape for the, the good Wanda, right. And he's sitting there talking to her and she comes up behind him and then like snaps his neck, dude. That was such a great jump scare. It didn't get me, but like, it was good. It was really well done. And she was super fucking creepy. It was fun how she tore the Illuminati apart dude john krasinski playing reed richards yeah i thought that that was hilarious because like that 
was one of two things. It's either a fuck you to fans, like, you know, like, don't tell us what to do. Yeah, we're going to use him for this one scene and kill him and or, you'll never see him as... Or they're actually going to use him, yeah. but it's like a funny way to incorporate it either way. I also, think. Anson Mount as, as Black Bolt, mm-hmm. that's a nod to the Inhumans TV series. Yep. Because yep. that's the same actor. And then the way they she sealed his mouth so he blew up the inside of his the way his skull caves in dude, dude from the inside that crazy was crazy awesome. that that was a PG-13 yeah, that was friggin awesome yeah, like I was, I was like... shocked also when at the very beginning when he, they stabbed the eye out of that monster like I know it's a monster and not a person but that it was graphic the yeah. way they ripped the eye ball out and you saw that the stalk of the eye in the back I was like god damn yeah. Like that's fucked up. I like the uh John Krasinski where they where they killed him and they're like shred tearing apart like shred by shred. Like looks that, like somebody's putting him through like a cheese grinder. Yeah, that one was weird to me. Like I didn't understand exactly what was happening there. Yeah, I didn't totally get that either. I mean, like the Black Bull one was obvious, you know, and I fantastic. got a feeling cutting, they haven't figured out the stretchiness on CGI just yet. Cut and I think that's a big reason why what's her name isn't doesn't have her comic book powers kamala khan yeah that's a news article speaking of which but we'll talk about that when it's time comes that's still down the road one thing that they did with professor x that i really really enjoyed is something that they've ignored in the x-men movie fancy electric chair that was fun that's not what i'm thinking of when he does his thought thing they actually have circles coming out from him (laughs) like that's such a comic book thing. Uh, he yeah, always yeah. does and that. It, it, that was they use that so much in like the '93 X Men TV show. Did they? Oh, oh in yeah. the TV show. Yeah, right, right. the okay, animated gotcha. series. I thought you were gonna yeah. say it in the movie, but like, no, 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 no. But like, it was a great visual cue, and it was like I watched that, and I thought, why didn't they ever think about this in the X Men movies? You know, like it's a simple effect. Why didn't they ever think about it? Maybe because it looked cool. Maybe it's yeah, not it's, as simple. It's weird as we how think. we're finally getting expensive. those little things, like uh, in uh, Spider-Man: No Way Home, where we actually got like the spider sense, like when he was like being pushed into the mo- or the mirrorverse by Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. Like you saw those waves come out, like the spider, or like sense. when he was astral, when he was in an, his astral form, right? When he yeah, when he got out knocked out. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, maybe and it's. That that, and then, then this movie we get the that uh, Professor X is like the circle effect. Like we're actually seeing that like live action versions of that stuff that has been in comics forever. Yeah, and I think part of it is that they didn't give a shit when they made the first X-Men movie. Honestly, this is the movie that set everybody in black leather and had the joke about the old yeah, outfits. Terrible. Right? Kevin Feige had to convince them to let him comb Wolverine's hair in a Wolverine fashion. You know? So, yeah. like, I just don't think they gave a shit, and then they continued to not give a shit. So, the way that Doctor Strange casts his spells was more interesting than it was in the first movie. Agreed. And it was more interesting than it was in the infinity war movies it reminds me a lot of green lantern he's like taking runes and like make a rune and then turn it into a chainsaw or whatever and i was like that's kind of green lanterny and then the fight that he has with like sad him where they're like fighting with musical notes did you know that danny elfman was playing every note that was on there like those were actual notes to the score that was playing so i thought it was corny but i did think that was i appreciated how steven chow it felt kung fu hustle yeah shaolin soccer but 
Yeah, I don't think it was executed all that well as I a didn't musical think it was fight. Well because <laughs> you know and you know why? It's because in my mind what it should have been was the score should have been silence and the the notes should have been playing as like the action, not like it somewhat is incorporated into this ongoing well, score. Well, I mean, they had stings when they would land right, punches, but it and didn't, that was it didn't, the notes. And that didn't work for me. I think yeah. it needed... I, I thought it just didn't, visually it didn't totally work no, for me. No, I didn't but care for I it. I also feel like it's probably a matter of he didn't have time. You that know what might I mean? have been... There's a lot in a this movie. Yeah. Like, let's be real, dude. Scott Derrickson left Doctor Strange in pre-production. Sam Raimi takes over, and then Sony says, no, we're not going to fucking move Spider-Man. So they have to rewrite Spider-Man on the fly. Then they immediately go into turnaround on Doctor Strange and start rewriting parts of Doctor Strange to make it work with Spider-Man. Wasn't it like 70% of the movie was reshot? Some I've heard number. people throw that out, but it's not accurate. I've heard 35% of it, Okay, they which just is did still it. a lot they for did it. shoots. It was but, pretty extensive. Yeah. But I mean, even with that, the movie is still pretty good considering they had to deal with that. That's what I feel like. And ultimately, and you touched on this, Brandon, but I'm going to go a little deeper into it. It's a Sam Raimi film. They let him be Sam Raimi. Like, we got so much kind of Deadeye action, right? Like, when yep. Benedict Cumberbatch is in that zombie thing, he's doing those jerky motions yep. that are like watch him right. doing the the sling ring all jerkily yeah i yeah. liked i appreciated that but then like, you've also you got would see it in evil dead evil dead 2 Wanda. army of darkness yeah when uh, she's like going through those tunnels when she's, and she's got the like oh the reflection the reflection like, shit when she's going through all the reflecting stuff and then you start to realize like how many things in a room reflect that was fucking sweet, dude, because like <laughs> yeah. if it was just water or mirrors, that's easy to avoid. But then you realize like, no, it's even like cabinets and fucking like it's everything. And a gong. <laughs> and then she crawls out of it like the girl in the ring. Yeah, just wonderful. And then, of course, can't leave out our man Bruce Campbell showing up. Oh, yes. And I was going to save it for the victory lap at the end, but I guess we're approaching No, there. no, we're jumping into it. We got like, what we wanted. <sighs> not ne- not a necessary scene. They covered it later so that you didn't need that scene. But it was clearly Sam Raimi being like, Getting I'm him- putting Bruce in hey, my movie. And Bruce, <laughs> you know what else is going to happen? Beat yourself up. <laughs> It's like we You're were sitting there trying to ass. think, would it be a big MCU character? Would it be a minor one? It's like, a random, we weren't thinking right about stand. this. It's what you want to see Sam Raimi particularly doing to Bruce Campbell, which is making him torture himself. <laughs> making him beat himself up. It's the most Raimi Campbell scene ever. And then the, I was actually, I, so I, I, I went to the movie this afternoon and I, I watched the movie and then the credits and I watched the credit sequence. And then as the credits were rolling and I was waiting for the second post credit sequence, I thought back to the Bruce Campbell cameo. And when Dr. Strange curses him or whatever to beat himself up, he tells America that it's going to last for three weeks. <laughs> Which is like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's so funny. And then it occurred to me in that moment, like, oh, that could be the second post credit sequence is like, it's two, three weeks later, he's still beating himself up. And sure enough, immediately after I have this thought, the credits, second credit sequence comes off and it's Bruce Campbell punching himself. And then it's finally over. And so he says, it's over. And that's when the movie stops. Like he's even announcing the movie being over. Like it's a slight fourth wall break yeah a very slight one yeah no no and there is 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 there is there a moment with uh 
where Wanda looks directly at the camera? There was a moment that I thought I caught where Wanda like well, I, and there... holds it for a second. It's like right after she like I does something. I didn't track it. I wouldn't be surprised because deadites sometimes look dead in the camera. Like that definitely happens from time to time. So it was just like a lot of. And then also I did appreciate that the final battle was more of a emotional one than a physical one. Yeah. We didn't even and talk about America Delta. Chavez in this. Yeah. Oh, the Delta. Great. Did you see the Delta? The Delta? Yeah. What do you his, mean? Sam Raimi's car that's in every no, movie. No, damn it. I missed the Delta. Yeah. When they're walking through in that place where the incursion. sad. Sad. Yeah. The incursion. There's cars floating. I think it's like the third uh, car. It's a floating car. Yeah. And the incursion world now which is makes sense because you could Strange? put it in by a green screen so that sam raimi yeah. doesn't even have to risk his car <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the doctor strange from what if is its own doctor no strange. it's its own doctor that strange but i happy. think that episode was very instructive as to how to watch this too though because it yeah. is doctor strange and his arrogance making the wrong decision it's showing how much he cared about christine and how it's really hard for him to not be with Christine, and yet he cannot be with Christine. Yeah. I still think that and he could have done better. And also, that shows that you know he has a lot of power that if he uses it wrong, can have extremely detrimental results. Which yeah. makes sense why the Illuminati yeah. just decide, like, we're just going to eliminate Doctor Strange's, right? Yeah. Like, it makes sense when you think about it from that. Also, we saw Captain Carter go out and... Uh, Cut in half with their own man, shield. Man, she's just... Like, I really like that actress, but that <laughs> character just sucks, dude. Every <laughs> every time we've seen that character, it's just not great. Yeah. We saw two episodes of What If, and then we saw her in this, and, like, she went out. She didn't even get like a cool moment, really. <laughs> like she threw the shield. She and then said, she "I could do done. this all day." She did, but we've already heard that. <laughs> That's the thing, though, is that she's so much like Captain America that we've already seen all of. And Captain America is like one of the least powered of the superpowered, so we've already seen all of his tricks, which means that we've already seen all of her tricks. She's got a jetpack. Yeah. He doesn't have a jetpack. Yeah, got which a jet makes pack. her maybe a different Captain Carter than the what She is series. a different Captain Carter because... So there's several the iterations other... of Captain Carter then. Well, there's I mean, probably it's a whole infinite. multiverse. Yeah. yeah. So there's... At least 838. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, love that they dropped the 616 in there. That was a moment I was surprised in the theater where a bunch of people went, ooh, and I was like, oh, there's comic book fans in well, this th movie it, theater. <laughs> of course, that also further complicates things because now there's two. Yeah, and they also identified the MCU not as the 616 in the Marvel page, so I'm sure they've, like, updated that now. Yeah, like... I don't. I think it was probably a mistake, actually, for them to label I like see, the MCU I, six. It immediately occurred to me, but I still like it. I like that they did the nod to the. It comics. would have been so nice if it got is, its own number designation, just because then in the comics they could be like have the MCU come in, and then they could like, and then like uh, Deadpool could make jokes like, "We're not even the main Marvel universe." That's the comic. I'm sure he's so, already made that joke. <laughs> so Jake Gyllenhaal in uh, the Spider-Man Far From Home mentions 616 and 838 yeah, i know but that's not the point they mentioned that the universe they're in which is, is the, the two ones they're literally saying we're in the 616 that's what i liked about it was that like they actually put a name to it that was fucking sweet because they're joking like mysterio doesn't know shit about any of that no he doesn't know shit about shit in that movie and He's also a con artist everything sony does is stupid 
So fuck you, Sony. <laughs> fuck you, Spum. Fuck you, Madam Web. Okay, who was the lady in the post credit sequence? Did you guys look? I did uh, not know who up? she was, and Kyle. I forgot to look it up. Who is the actress? Uh, Charlie Theron. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. Charlie Theron? It was. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I thought that was like a de-aged uh, Nicole Kidman. No, that's Charlie Theron. No. What? So the character is- And you Cap- clearly haven't seen Nicole Kidman in the last five years, dude. I just said de-aged. <laughs> like her face doesn't move anymore. Yeah. That girl um, woman's face in that movie, in the end of the movie, didn't move. Yes, it there was, I was confused. There. She looked a lot like Michelle Pfeiffer, and I was like, I initially thought it was the girl from, it was Quantumania Lady. You know what I mean? I was so confused, but I, it was like, it's not her. You so, mistake faces a lot, though. Well, when they're those iconic blonde ladies, I guess they all look the same. <laughs> <laughs> was it, was that Marilyn Monroe in the post credit sequence? Or was it Billie Eilish? They look exactly the same. It was Bruce Campbell. Was it? Once again. Billie <laughs> Eilish. <laughs> William Eilish. But I do have to say the one thing that I didn't like about the movie, and I just wanted to save it for the end because, like, I fucking love this movie. It's a top five for me. But this was inescapable. I just have to mention it because it is important. Sexist as fuck, dude. Like, Wanda fucking breaks and, like, Benedict Cumberbatch's character fucking reads from the same book and he's fine. I mean, I know he gets the eye, but he doesn't like. I did not like that eye, by the way. Actually, that was another thing I didn't care for. Before before we get to an eye thing, like they go into the hysteric woman trope. I'm not going to pin this on Raimi. He did not write the screenplay at all. It just happened to mirror everything that he tends to do. There was a way to probably do it better and they didn't. That being said, the eye looks corny as shit. It's not going to stay. Didn't but it's care perfect. For it. It's perfect for a Raimi movie. I kind of loved it because, like, there's a cost. And Raimi characters never get off at the end. I just when didn't he's understand doing stuff why. like this. They are always tortured at the end. There's always some unspeakable evil and it tortures them. And then you get to the end and then it still tortures them. Like, it every just, single time. It, it was very weird that the movie ends with him walking out of his house, hearing weird noises starting to act crazy and then dropping to his knees in the middle of the street and screaming and an eye in his forehead opens up and that's where it stops like yeah what (laughs) it's the cost what the guy tells him there's a cost to the book that's his cost but that's not like the point of the movie that's just like a thing that that's just a thing that happens that's just the most random spot to end the movie but on. I love it's it such dude. A now we have spot. a three eyed Doctor Strange who's not a Sorcerer Supreme like they've actually been doing things with Doctor Strange <laughs> in this space it's so weird it's it should be though right like Doctor Strange is a comic book where they him and Wong literally made this super fucking tortured creature who takes the cost of every spell that he does because he has to keep saving the world and they're worried that like if he can't save the world because of the cost that like the world will end so he keeps making this creature take all of the negative effects for every spell he he casts and it's just fucking tortured and like it looks like a Cronenberg thing and then eventually they have to save the world from that thing right yes (laughs) and then that thing I didn't see like where that thing goes from there but like that's the thing like Doctor Strange is very much in the like whenever you cast a spell 
there's a cost. That's a big theme with like Doctor Strange. You don't get to do magic without something happening. Like there's an equalizer somewhere. So if you do something good with it, something bad happens. That always happens. So I like that they had it because it does tie in with the comic books. It's fucking weird. And it's a third eye. So it's like psychedelic, which calls back to the, the old Doctor Strange. So I liked it. Looked a little corny, but I love the idea that at least for one movie, we're going to get at least part of a movie with Doctor Strange with three eyes. Yeah. And he's still not the Sorcerer Supreme, which I also love too. It's so funny, dude. I want Wong to still be the Sorcerer Supreme. I don't want him to lose that. Oh, yeah. It works better with Wong as the Sorcerer Supreme anyways. Especially because it puts Doctor Strange in his place a little bit. It makes him have a little bit of humility. Being like, see, it's an ancient tradition. You fucking bow. (laughs) 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 I liked uh, America Chavez a lot. I thought her... I thought it was clever how they kind of threw in her first use of her power being accident and her kind of just like, I'm surprised she just kicks in. I'm surprised she didn't immediately once she kind of figured out how to control her power. I'm surprised she didn't immediately be like, I'm gonna go look for my fucking moms. She's like, I'm gonna learn some regular magic now. Yeah, it does seem a little weird. She's just like, well, I'm going to take a little she's bit like, of time because well, this is going to come in another movie. She's like, well, wink, I'm, wink she's like, well <laughs> I'm off to Hogwarts. I mean, Camertage. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's going to be seven America Chavez books and she'll be the chosen one. Let's be honest, dude. J.K. Rowling's like <laughs> made that place. She doesn't want to go anywhere near there, dude. She's got two moms. That's going to be a nightmare. <laughs> <All right>. Well... <laughs> No, as long as her two moms are biologically female, I don't think J.K. Rowling has a problem. Oh, is that it? She's, She's just a, a transphobe? She's yep. just a turf. Yeah. Okay. All right. Anything else that has to come out? We are now running long, but God damn it, I love this movie. So It was pretty good. It was a mess. I liked it. It was a mess that I liked. Yeah, it was a, me- it was a good mess. Yeah. Like, I don't care about the mess if it's enjoyable. So I went at 425 on a Monday afternoon in the regular theater not the XD theater. And there were six other people in the theater with me. And that's the only way I'm going to go to movies from now on. If I have to go to a theater and a movie, I'm going to go on a weird time when nobody else is there. And I can just go in and watch it. And when the credits hit, everybody else left. Well, I, was I got news for you, Carl. the entire theater to myself. I went on Friday night. I also went to a 2D showing and there was six other people in my theater. So because they're playing so many fucking shows of it. Oh, they had 26 showings per day at theater right now. Yeah. Like they want. Feels like a waste of money, doesn't it? They want them to be able to get in when they want to come in. Yeah. It's like having a streaming service. It's the same thing they did with Endgame and Spider-Man No Way Home. Both of them. Like, you know, they, they were just constant shows. Also, the difference between a regular theater and an XD is not really that major, dude. I don't understand anymore. I honestly missed my what I mean, I wish I could have just watched it on HBO or on Disney Plus. I wish I could have just sat at home no, and watched it. Not at no, all. Not me. Nope. I got not it. at all. My dude. TV is fucking big, dude. It Your TV's big, it's not that big. It's big enough. Nah. It is. I think my TV is the same size as your TV now. It's not that impressive compared to a movie screen. Sorry. I know it's that adequate. you like to do it, but you also like to like smoke pot while you're watching it and look at your phone and like, I, <laughs> do I everything that's not. I actually yeah. I have this thing, this setting on my phone right now where the flashlight flashes because I almost always have silent mode on and I am I'm missing too many texts. I like getting to them too late. And so I put that on as like an extra 
attention, but I had to like put my phone under my leg to keep the flash because a, a, a notification went off at one point and it like fucking shot up into my eye during the movie. And I was like, oh, this is the worst thing ever. This is it's so much worse than like the screen lighting up. It was like flashlight in my face because <laughs> I had the screen facing down like that. So it just went like pulsed at me. Yeah, bad. I don't want you to go to the theater anymore. I'm not going to make the case for it anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stay out of my theater. I also opened two cans of soda. And I went, yeah, that shit happens all the time. And then I was just That's like, I wonder new. if anybody thinks this is a beer. <laughs> yep, everybody does. But they don't care. <laughs> just to close off here. So we are having a Patreon page launch here pretty quick. I'll put something in the feed when it comes up. And I'll get into what I'm posting when it's officially going. But in the meantime, if you care about the show, if you want us to like continue doing the show, like if you want to help us out because I'm literally going to start losing money here soon, like launching this network, please, please, please give a donation to the show. There's a link inside the description of the podcast. We much appreciated if it's a nickel, it's a dollar. I don't care. I just appreciate it. Thank you. And take it easy. Please rate and review our show. Sign up for an Anchor account and you can leave voice messages through a link in the description of the podcast where you can answer our poll questions. Reach out to us through Instagram at redwood underscore sound underscore labs or Facebook at facebook.com slash redwood sound labs. Email us at notsafernetwork at gmail.com. Not Safe for Network was created and hosted by Carl Borneman, Brandon Beardsley, and Alex Small. Produced by Aaron Donaldson and Alex Small. Charlie Theron's character is Cal, which is Dormammu's niece. <laughs> and so Dormammu's... He, like he she lives with Dormammu in the dark dimension. And that's <laughs> Dormammu has a niece. Yeah. Is it Dormammu's okay. sister's daughter or Dormammu's brother's daughter? That's I what I want to know. Is it a maternal? Wait, is, is it a... I don't know. I... No, no, no. Dormammu is made up of several entities on her body, much like a giant robot that forms a Voltron. Like a Voltron? Yeah. And so she's her knees. Like, <laughs> she's the knees. <laughs> no. <laughs> that is what we're going out on. Kill no, me now. No, no. That's uh, what... No. Oh, no. You no, sit in that. I do. I do. You have sit to. in that. I'll sit in it. I'll make the joke again. At the, I'll edit or something. Zach and Matt discuss some of the best and worst horror movies out there. Check out all four seasons of Watch No Evil. Lauren and Sarah riff on changing topics each week. Whether it's celebrity horoscopes, the poop cruise, or smell-o-vision, you'll laugh along with Dippers. Catch up on pop culture news and reviews every week with Brandon Biggs and Carl on Not Safe for Network. Professor Aaron Donaldson and Purple Heart recipient Charles Horgan break down war movies, their narratives, and the rhetoric behind them on Real War Project. <laughs>